1: In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms. Now, Savage has come out with a new model, and that model is the 110 Ultralight. At under six pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. This comes in a variety of calibers. It has a gray AccuFinish stock with adjustable comb height. This is an awesome rifle, and uh, basically Savage is at it again. These guys have done amazing things in the past, and now they're doing amazing things in the future. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit SavageArms.com.
2: Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Thomas. Today, Andy and I talk with Scott Wilper. Scott is another good old Missouri boy who owns a custom turkey call shop. So, today we talk some turkey with him and go over some hunts he's been on, some cool, memorable hunts he's done. Uh, We talk about his calls and what he thinks goes into a good call, Um, some specifics about turkey and some of these competitions Scott goes to where he makes some sounds with his mouth that I still am amazed that he can make. So it's a great episode, a lot of fun, a lot of really cool stories. So I hope you enjoy it. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. everybody welcome to the show here with my co-host andy today what's How's I mean? it going and today we're going to be i know it's a little late uh we we started our show on memorial day so it was after turkey season was already over here in missouri but i i didn't really want to go a full year without talking about turkey before talked, next yeah, spring absolutely. so i knew when i started this show uh i talked to one of my buddies and I, I knew i wanted to have this guy on and so, um, today on the show, we have uh, with us Scott Wilper. Scott, what's going on, man? How's it going
3: out there, everybody?
2: <laughs> so, Scott um, Scott is an uh, uh, awesome hunter. He's a turkey hunter and a deer hunter and all kinds of stuff. He also is uh, owner of a custom call shop. And uh, so, Scott, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody, where you're from, and then why don't you tell us, since we know you love turkey, uh, what is your favorite thing to do other than turkey hunting?
3: Well, <laughs> we always got to start off like that. Or, you know, we could even auction something. I'm going to one, two, now, three, and three, dollar and then four, now, but a four, <laughs> now, four turkey, wear, four turkey, <laughs> now, get bomb, bomb. Anyway, yeah, I'm Scott Wilper here in uh, Wilper Custom Calls, and uh, I build box calls. Um, it started out uh, just building a few and paying bills because we were way behind and I do it out of it isn't for the money it's for the passion I do it all for passion so it's uh it's been quite a ride but uh I love to build turkey calls for people and there's there's uh, heirlooms there's uh, you know uh calls I've built for uh memorials for people so it's uh it is a good thing for people to uh for gifts but actual turkey calling is the fun part about it and i love to train people on how to run box calls how to cluck how to yelp how to purr how to do it all and i do have a few videos out on that but uh i'm new at this i'm old school and uh (laughs) i love to have a good time but the second that what i love to do other than turkey hunting is take my girls trout fishing at Bennett Springs. Absolutely, that's pretty awesome. If you've ever been down there, it's an awesome park to go to. So, yes, it is. You all did not know that was going to be my answer, did you? Well, I, I did not.
2: I'm good friends with his brother, and uh, Jeff loves doing that too. And my dad's a big fly fisherman, he goes down there all the yeah. time. Um, so I didn't know you did it, too, so that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. I didn't take you to the other room to show you the trout. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say, enough. given the turkey
4: on the wall here, I don't want to <laughs> see the size of trout you've got.
3: There's another room, Andy. We <laughs> just oh didn't go Lord. into it. Oh, my
2: Lord. So, before we get going, um, I'm going to tell a quick story. So, uh, like I was saying, I grew up with Scott's younger brother, Jeff, and Jeff and I have been friends for as long as I can remember. Uh, I remember looking up to Scott when we were kids. Um, he's Coach up for, to everybody. Well, like football. Lo- you look at this guy right here. He was one of the best football players I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah, yeah coached so, you all, yeah. Yep. So, Jeff and I grew up together, and uh, we've been friends ever since high school. And, unfortunately, Jeff and I lost one of our close friends about a year ago, a um, little over a year ago, to a tragic uh, car accident. And about a year after his, his death, we had a uh, – uh, there was a memorial um, auction put on for him and Scott made two calls for that auction and donated, uh, donated them for the auction. And um, it was pretty awesome. So that we, we, we thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and what was even cooler is, you know, you're talking about a Turkey call. One was a uh, pocket rocket. One was a regular size call that he Long makes. Box, yeah. And uh, um, I thought I had the pocket rocket one. I think I bid like, 200 bucks or something like that. And one of our other good friends, Derek, um, bid $500 on that thing. So,
4: you're not bitter at all, are you? No, I'm not bitter.
2: Uh, (laughs) I think that's pretty awesome. (laughs) That's absolutely awesome. That he did that. And, you know, so those two calls that Scott donated um, raised, you know, almost $1,000 probably for that. I don't know how much the the other one went for, to be honest with you. But, um, and what was even more cool is after it was over, um, Scott actually made Jeff and I the same commemorative thing for Cecil so That's I, awesome. I now have a pocket rocket um for Cecil's memory for you know forever and I probably will never use it to be honest with you
3: yeah it's I wondered if y'all itself. would ever take it out in the woods or not
2: no Je- Jeff and I talked about it when he uh when he brought it to me and I said I, it's number one they're they're too beautiful yeah uh, even if it wasn't a, a, mem- a commemorative one they're so dang beautiful that um it's hard to use them in the first place <laughs> but right. Um, that one probably won't ever get used, um, yeah. to be honest with you. But so we we really appreciate you doing that. And um, I I wanted you on the show before that, and then obviously that that made me want to talk to you even more. So um, anyway, yeah. really
4: appreciate it. And You're I think, welcome. I enjoyed making them. Yeah, I think something like that really talks to how near and dear you know outdoor activities and things can be to people. I mean, <clears throat> something something like that, you know, to to memorize somebody or you know to commemorate someone um holds a special place i mean obviously innate in your heart uh for your friend and uh you know in in other cases uh scott you just showed us another series you're making for someone else to make to make memories and that's what a lot of the outdoors what we like talking about is is making memories with family and friends and talked about going you know trout fishing with your girls and that's i mean that's the outdoors that's getting out making memories um it's not about killing stuff i mean it's about making the
3: memories with the people you you love and and doing those things that's why i build the calls it's there is money in it but to be honest i could care less absolutely it isn't about the money i have a job you know in the very beginning the first 20 calls saved my house Yep. but it isn't about the money it's the stories i hear every year and i i've got so many stories that just makes the hair on your arm stand up uh and it is; it's about the memories, and that's that's one reason I love to make them. Yeah. Absolutely, that's. I mean, that's. Well, the
2: the thing about your calls are they really are a work of art. So it's really it's easy to turn that work of art into something that people can remember as part of mm-hmm. their outdoor experience. I mean, that's that's half the reason we did started this podcast in general is to talk about. I mean, we are we always sit there and talk about stories and what people do and I'll sit there and talk to a guy like to listen to a guy like you for three hours tell me all his different stories because I enjoy it mm-hmm. and so we decided well maybe we should just start recording this yeah. shit <laughs> yeah so,
3: <Uh-oh>. <laughs> <laughs> I yes that's what I'm talking about so um, you don't want to trade passion in for glory uh, no nope. yeah,
4: absolutely absolutely yeah, I've that, been offered
3: that, uh oh two companies have wanted to pay they've wanted 5,000 calls yeah. a year so, there goes the passion right out the window.
2: Yeah, when you're doing yeah. that
3: much, when you're trying to do that much, it's gonna. You, I can't make them by hand. These are all made by hand, one at a time, yep. blood, sweat, and tears. I know every call. You know it's three hours to make one. Yep, and you, I mean
4: you just showed us your shop,
3: and you, there's no
4: right nothing fancy shop, out there yeah i know yeah. it, it's, it's all chisels and shop, sanders <laughs> yeah handmade
3: yeah.
2: stuff you can always tell
3: exactly yeah. exactly and the quality that goes in them but he, you know somebody wanting five thousand calls a year with my name on it there goes passion right out the way right out the window yep. it's yeah. just a glory thing at that point and, and you're not <laughs> going to get the memory stories
2: right yeah so you kind of told it when you first started but you know, this started off as, um, well, you told us before we, we started recording, but this started off as, I'm just going to go try a call, and you, you told us a funny story about
3: <laughs> your, your first call, didn't even make a sound. Yeah. But that's my wife's favorite call. <laughs> <laughs> a soundless turkey call. She said, that's the best one I've ever made. So. <laughs> That was number one, and all that did was just put the fire in me to figure out what angle of the dangles going on here, the radius, what wood goes with what for the, the best sound. And, you know, the first 10 calls went into the stove, and I make all my calls by hand uh, right next to a stove and and with that fire going. And if I don't like it, do I think it'll kill a turkey? Yes, I think any of them will. You can go to Walmart and buy one. Mm-hmm. It'll kill a turkey. But is it perfect? perfect to my ears if i do absolutely for some reason don't like it the slightest little bit i throw it right in the fire because <laughs> i want everybody to have the best that i can produce yeah that that's the passion coming the out best right way to here. do it dude. that's that
4: personal experience i mean you get that extra quality because the passion mm-hmm. oh yeah well and it helps that
2: um when you started doing this you were a, a turkey hunter you know when you when you already right. have a passion to do a sport <clears throat> right it's a lot easier you know if i told you well i want you to start making uh batting gloves for baseball and you don't care for that sport which you might but we're just making it up yeah. right now yeah um it it don't it don't seem
3: very fun to it's do it's hard to get the drive yeah
2: so it's it's easier to do something like that and we know that you're a turkey hunter <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> so <laughs> the turkeys I, know it too i want <laughs> i want to hear a story before we get into anything <laughs> I, I agree um What's your, I mean, you've killed probably more birds than I've ever seen in my life, but do you
3: have a certain hunt
2: that's ever stuck out to you that?
3: Oh, well, they all have. Uh, they're all, there's so many, There's you. Tr- when you leave the woods, I've killed my fair share. I want to say that. But I still, to this day, every hunt, I learn something from it. If you're not learning something from every hunt, then you're not, you're not doing it correctly. You shouldn't even be out there then. Right. These things have a pea-sized brain, and they will beat you every time. <laughs> a gobbler has to win every day. Mm-hmm. You only have to win once. Yep. Yeah. If you think about that. Season's 21 days long. He's got to win every single time, and you only got to win once. One day, yeah. And his brain's the size of a pea, and how come he beat you? And all that does is... Makes you feel bad about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) Maybe I should have went to college more or something. (laughs) (laughs) How does this happen? Ask yourself, why? Why why did he gobble and go the other way? Why are they not gobbling this morning? Or why are they gobbling their heads off this morning? Why did that hen... You you know, I ask myself that on every hunt and learn something from it. So they're all memorable to me. But uh, I would have to say my... Most memorable hunt would be Anderson County, Kansas. The bird's right above you, Andy. He's got five beards. Yeah. Uh, Gorgeous. I want to hunt. I put the, my
4: back to that thing or else. <laughs> <the whole>
3: <laughs> I want to hunt at the uh, NWTF uh, show. Uh, I can't remember, five or six years ago, let's <laughs> say. But we want to hunt as an auctioned-off hunt. We won this hunt. So I went down there to this ranch and – the outfitter's driving us around, and he's got 900 acres here, and he kind of shows us the border, and 200 here, and I think we had access to another 120. And he said, there's birds on all of this. Uh, you guys got three days to hunt. and Come back to the, to the lodge, you know, at night. And uh, he go, then that's when he said, oh, there's one more place to hunt. I'll take you down here. It's only a 40-acre track, and this is out in the middle of Kansas. There wasn't even a tree on the entire 40 acres, just a a small little ditch. And when you look at this 40-acre square, within a mile of any direction, there's no trees, no creek. There's a gobbler that stands in the middle of this 40-acre field about 10 a.m., anywhere from 8 to 10 a.m. he shows up. They don't know where he comes from, but he'll be out there strutting every single day. We've had a dozen dozen people in the last few weeks try to hunt him and try to kill him. He's been shot at twice. But uh, I'll show you this 40-acre track, and you guys can also hunt that. And he goes, but I do not want you, cause just because you'll see this bird, I don't want you wasting your three days right on this bird because you have 1,000 acres that I just showed you private to go get your birds and, and, and make you a memorable hunt. Mm-hmm. So we pull up there, and uh, – I'll be dang if he wasn't standing right out in the middle of the field. And they named him the push broom turkey. I can see why. Right. Right. With five beards sticking out. But yeah. from the truck, it just looked like a massive push broom coming out of his chest. Yeah. But the outfitters said he can't be killed. And then my buddy started laughing, and the outfitter said, <laughs> what are you laughing at? And he said, well, you don't know who's sitting behind you. <laughs> you just said the wrong <laughs> words. You just said the wrong words. He'll spend three days on this bird till he kills yep. him. So it was a very memorable hunt. Well, the next morning, um, I sat up in the ditch. I had a little bush the size of a backpack in front of me, and that's it. And sat there motionless, made a few calls. There isn't a tree for a mile. I didn't hear no gobbling or nothing. Did you have any decoys? No decoys. I just uh, just sat there in the ditch and just winging it and waste my first morning on this bird. See. <laughs> <laughs> and see, you know, turkey hunting too. Luck, luck has a lot to play with things too. But uh, you know, play your percent- percentages and put yourself in the right right spot to be lucky. Right, if, right. If, if that makes sense. Anyway, 9 a.m. rolls around, and I see this black thing coming across the field. Well, son of a gun. Here (laughs) here, here he is. These guys not lying. Every day he shows up but don't know where he comes from. So he he comes out in the field there. He's about 100 yards out, and I'm just sitting there with very little cover. Um, I don't know how I'm not even busted to begin with, but I had a little pocket rocket. Uh, Of course, the styles changed a little bit. Uh, They're a little bit bigger than the first ones I ever (laughs) made, but, it was walnut with yellow heart paddle, so it's a real high pitch, uh, demanding yelp. Mm-hmm. And uh, I let him know I was over there, and then it was just a lot of clucking and soft yelping. And I t- knowing that he's been shot at twice and called at and hunted a bunch, I just toned it way down and just let him know I'm over here, whether you like it or not. But I, I just kept it simple. I didn't overcall. Overcalling is a big thing that a lot of hunters do that it, i would say i'm in that category it, it, yeah. kill, it will I'm, kill your I'm hunt with you. Overcalling is bad but just uh you know the good lord was on my side a few yelps a few a lot of clucking and just sat there had mosquitoes bite me in this ditch i'm <laughs> trying to blow them off my eyebrow <laughs> anyway as soon as he hits i'm going 10 20 30 40 50 48 46 good enough boom <laughs> so I call the outfitter up and I tell him to come get me because my buddy is on that thousand acres, my, a couple of miles down the road. Yeah. I don't want to ruin his hunt. And can you come get me? And uh, he said, well, yeah, I'll come down and get you. Uh, where do you want to go? I said, just back to the lodge. And, uh, didn't, you, you killed didn't give him. Give it away, did you? He goes. You killed him, didn't you? You killed him, didn't you? I said, Yeah, he's down. <laughs> he's down. He's got. I tell you why he's named the push broom Turkey is. He's got five beards. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, anyway, that was that was a memorable hunt. But yeah, there we can go on and on and on about hunts. Uh, I love them all. But uh, well,
2: I I listened to another podcast the other day, which was the perfect excuse to get a mount when you're talking to your wives about spending that $600 or whatever, no matter if it's a deer or a turkey (laughs) or a bobcat. Amy knows these, yes. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) he said, I get mounts because it's entertainment for the rest of my life. Oh, Every time I look at that mount, Uh I replay. Replay the hunt. That day, and I'll never forget it until the the day I die. I'm going to look at that deer or or that turkey that's sitting right above Andy right now and it gives me the goosebumps. I got him right now it thinking me, of that, yeah. It gives me the same adrenaline rush that I had seeing that animal in front of me that day. Right. And that's why I think, you know, and the other thing is and I'm big on this is respecting the animal you harvested. Oh yeah. And, Definitely. You know, um I remember I mounted a deer last year or 2 years ago that didn't score more than 130. But he was a deer I'd known And uh, I actually didn't think he was the deer I shot, but when we found him, he was, and he he suffered in his death, which is not what you want. Right. And because of that, I said, you're going to live on forever, and he got mounted. He got a full mount. Um, And, you know, it's it's about respecting that animal a lot of times. So, um, you know. I think that's that's a cool story. Absolutely. I wouldn't have done it. I guarantee you that. Was your
3: heart beating out of your chest?
1: When sure. You're,
4: well then every time I listen to one it does. What I say in the the white tail episode. It doesn't matter what the score is. It doesn't matter what it is, you know, what, what it does that in that case, deer yep. give me that adrenaline rush, get my yeah. heart pumping, beating. I don't care how much he scores. Yeah. Do I get that feeling? Mm-hmm. And then that's what it's about. That's yeah. why you hunt right there. Right.
2: Yep. And that, I mean the outdoors is some people don't understand that there's don't. people that don't hunt that don't do outdoor activities that think we're you know bad for killing animals and things like that, and you don't understand how much we care about that animal that yeah. we're that we're we're harvesting and um just because we're killing it don't mean we don't love what that is right um and we you know we eat the meat and we we don't waste things and stuff like that it's just how we are so. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I have a feeling if I ask you to tell me another story we're gonna well, get... we're gonna be here for a minute because <laughs> there's another turkey right behind me <laughs> that yeah. I'd like to know that story too uh, I mean there is that the double eleven no or is that one
3: that's uh ten ten inch beard eleven inch beard and eleven inch beard even bigger, it's bigger than the other one yeah. <laughs> that yeah. one I haven't got back yet that's the turkey I hunted last year, which you know, I could tell you that story, or we can wait to another episode. But nah, yeah. go ahead and tell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, uh, the bird last year, uh, on day one, he steps out. Uh, five jakes were coming in. I had my decoys out, and I usually only run with a hen. I don't get into the full gobbler setup most of the time. I have put them out, but I have had gobblers in the past step out that are nice, mature gobblers. They see the big strutter and they just leave Mm -hmm. and there's a mature gobbler that you could have killed and he left me so i i just usually do one hen or nothing and sometimes i'll do a jake but it's a hen or nothing and once in a while a jake so i had this hen out and here comes five jakes and the bird i was working uh steps out about 40 yards to the right in the brush and all i could see is the double beards and monster spurs. I'm looking yeah, at him with Lord. binoculars. Yeah. There's no shot there at <laughs> all. I, I mean, it had been – some people may have took the shot. It just – it would. I could have wounded it. He needed to take two more steps out to be a clear shot in the open. But anyway, so I'm, I'm looking at this bird through the brush. Give me two more steps in your mind, and I could see the giant spurs on him. I could see a double 11-inch beard coming out of him. And he had the big monster double D chest is what mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. named it. So you know this bird w- when they have a chest that boils out in around like a like a beer belly or like a like I've got a pork a pork butt belly here <laughs> is what I've got but uh, yeah when you see that that's a bird that's 24 pounds or more when you see that hump there and he had that so he t- he stops and these five jakes come into the setup well he is not going to come out right he'll mess with one jake but five jakes, they five got him on, yeah. yeah, yeah, five to one. It's not happening. So, and I had him beat. I beat him that day, mm-hmm. right there. I beat him. But again, a turkey has to win every time. You only have to win once. Yep. <laughs> he turns around, goes the other way, and then I have to watch these jakes for the next hour, which is which was fun and cool. But that's when it became a personal vendetta that I am going after this bird until the day I kill him. Well, it took ten days. <laughs> and I hunted every morning and, and, and I came in through the creeks. You know, I do have to work, so I'd sneak out at nine thirty or ten AM and I'd take the creek back out so I didn't ruin or bust the bird. Um y you, you know, you you run him you run him out of the area a couple of times, they'll move. Right. They'll or move money. they'll move to the neighbor's farm or wherever. So, you know, I'm trying to play my cards right, but uh yeah. During that 10-day stretch, I called two gobblers in that were nice adult, you know, 20, 21-pound gobblers. Uh, I'd be proud to have any other time, but it just made it a pert. I mean, he got personal with me. Oh, yeah. And, and every day he would beat me. I kept saying <laughs> that to myself. He's got to win every time. I only got to win once. Don't quit. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, again, day 10, uh, you know, and during that 10-day stretch, three times – he would be out there 80 to a hundred yards. He'd come in. he would gobble. Here I am. Come on, do you know he's doing what he's supposed to do. Yep. Yeah They gobble for a reason. I gobble so the hen comes to the gobbler. You're trying to reverse nature, make him so lovesick. He comes to you. Well he's doing usually that's a sign of an older bird when they're doing that. So he he comes in 80 to 100 yards, gobbles at me a dozen times, puts on a show and then leaves. Did it t- and it just, it's eating at you more, <laughs> eating at you more. Mm,
2: he knows I'm sitting here apparently.
3: Right, <laughs> Just right. messing
4: with me. And your heart's pumping every time. <laughs>
3: so day 10, I call a hen in. I call another hen in. I had two hens out in front of me, and uh, I had a hen decoy, and I started mocking them. I would mock this one, mock that one. I was playing a box call and a mouth call. I was not a blind this, this time, and that's mm-hmm. probably what saved me. I was running a box call and a mouth call. I was running a box call repeating one hen and running a mouth call repeating this other hen. And as I was repeating these hens back and forth, note for note, I mean, just mimicking. Five yelps, I would yelp five times. She'd start cutting, I'd start cutting. And sooner or later, it's just like a kid. When a kid starts mocking you. Mm
0: -hmm. At first,
3: it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know. Five minutes later of them repeating it, you're like, shut up, be quiet. Right. You can't take it no more. So, evidently, me mocking these hens, they started fighting. They were wrestling. They were wrapping their necks around each other like an arm wrestling match, pushing back and forth. Jumping up and throwing legs at each other. I mean, they don't have spurs, but they were just a big, massive fight broke out. And here he was at 100 yards, and when the fight broke out, his fan came down, and I said, "It's going to happen." And he came running. He came running into the fight, and as soon as he hit 45. He's trying, ladies, 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 <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ladies. There's <laughs> plenty <laughs> of me to go around. Right, right, right. So that that's that bird there. That's last year, um, but it was day ten before it happened. But again, how far did he come to? Well, he probably would have came to 20, but when he hit 45, I let him have it. That's your, that's your, <laughs> sounds like that's about your area. That's that my area. And, and see, there's another story for another day because, uh, you know, Grandpa always said, when you have the shot, take it. Yep. Take it. And I'd let a bird one time come in at 45, and he wasn't running, just walking slow. So he's in my gun range. There he is at 40. Here he is at 35 finally. So now I'm sitting there thinking, all right, I'm just going to enjoy this. All of a sudden, about 30 yards, he immediately just takes off the flight. Mm-hmm. Hard, like two steps and then flight. I had no chance to, to oh, even wow. try to pull on him to, to try to kill him. What right. just happened here? I had a dead bird yeah. at, at 45 or 40, whatever, and I let him come on in, pushing my luck, A bobcat comes out. Oh. Uh-oh. Yep. So then again, when you have the shot, take it. Yeah, try to enjoy it, yes, to a point, yep. but don't don't get too uh, overzealous about it. And, uh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, it's
2: one thing about turkeys I learned when you just said that, Scott. My my sons have been really into birds. Uh, we we did a lot of bought a lot of different bird feeders this year, and so I, my wife bought him a Missouri Birds book, and the turkeys in there. Yeah. And in the thing, it says the turkey is a very strong flyer. Other than, you know, obviously they can't like fly around. Distance, like a, yeah. yeah. But they're very strong flight birds. Quick to fly, yes. Yeah. And Caden says, I didn't think turkeys could fly. I said, no, they can fly really good, really fast, and get away really quickly.
4: A short period of time.
2: And, you know, that's int- a lot of people don't even know a, bird, a turkey can fly. Yeah. But no, they can. I
3: they think can. a lot of people don't know they even roost in trees at night. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Oh, they can fly quick. Yeah. Just distance is not very, very good. Sure, so. but they get out of
2: danger is the mm-hmm. biggest thing. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, well, I could probably ask you for about 14 more stories, but we'll get in, since we got to try to keep these a certain amount of time, let's get into your calls because, you know, this is how, obviously, a lot of this started um, was, you know, when I we got Cecil's call, commemorative call, it made me think about, yeah, I should talk to Scott, right? Yep, so you have gotten to the point now where you you know a lot about, the right woods, what woods work well with others, how to make a certain call, a right. certain – you know, to a guy like me who doesn't know what he's doing, when you when you go cedar on cedar or walnut on whatever else, I don't necessarily hear much difference. Right. Um, but you talk about having high pitch, low pitch, squealing. Mm-hmm. What, um, what goes into a good call?
3: Well, um, a lot uh, – there's a lot goes into – each call as far as the woods go and the bottom line is it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you like it's what the gobbler likes right you know and i this is a sales pitch that me and uncle kenny uh came up with uh i'm throwing you in here right now so (laughs) you get you get missouri woods and water glory going on here this is a sales pitch from the pocket rocket we did uh, down at the nwtf show And we've sold hundreds of them. It's a sales pitch, but we're speaking the truth here. And before I get into what woods I like and I think work better, they all work. Mm -hmm. But do you like blondes, redheads, (laughs) or brunettes? Yes.
4: Consider our wives are blonde. I'm going to go blonde. Okay. So (laughs) you're saying blonde.
3: I mean, you're saying blonde, right? Right. Sure. Right? And you're saying... You don't care. You like all of them. <laughs> they're all pretty. They're all pretty, right? My wife right? is
2: blonde, but they're all pretty, right? Exactly.
3: This guy likes brunettes. This guy likes redheads. And this guy over here doesn't care. Right. It's the same in the turkey world. Yeah. This gobbler here likes a high pitch. This gobbler, Does he like low pitch too? Yes. But <laughs> high pitch turns <laughs> really him on going. more. That, that's you see where I'm it, going yeah. with this? Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. And then this gobbler likes a low pitch. And this gobbler here doesn't care. As long as it's got feathers, I'm happy. Right. So, where I'm going with that is is more than one call does help. mm mm-hmm. um, A high-pitch call, you know, you might get a gobble or two out of him. Uh, uh, I call them courtesy gobbles. He uh, That acknowledgement. You
4: know,
1: yeah.
3: Every 30 minutes, well, he gobbled. He answered me. But he hadn't said nothing for the next 45 minutes. And you might play that call. He does it. He's giving you a courtesy gobble, letting you know, hey, I'm over here. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I'm over here. Now, what about that one that went off once? Now he double, triple gobbles. Yep. Five minutes later, triple gobbles again. Maybe 10 minutes later, double gobbles. That's different than the other gobbler. This one is fired up. He likes the, say, lower pitch. Mm -hmm. Try, Try a different call. I'm not saying try this call and then five minutes later try this next call. Switch it up a little bit and try to get into that gobbler's mind and figure out what he likes, and and that is the key uh, 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 to killing more gobblers is, is figuring out the gobbler what he likes. You know, does he like the redhead, the brunette, or the blonde, mm-hmm. or does he care?
1: Right. He,
3: he's the kamikaze, the kamikaze gobbler that just runs to the go- gun barrel and he's dead. So anyway, <laughs> I need to find more of them.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite wood now. In the last two years, my favorite wood now is bloodwood over black limba. Uh, it is kind of on the higher end. It's not extremely high pitch, but it is high pitch. It has a lot of raspy nasal tone to it, mm-hmm. uh, and the back half drops off hard. <laughs> a real hard double note. Mm-hmm. Turkey turkey calling is not. It's two notes notes and that black limba really starts off high and drops off hard in them gobblers uh this year got two gobblers that really liked it so <laughs> 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 uh, black limba and bloodwood is one of my favorites and then of course uh bloodwood and poplar um, has become one of our favorites my uncle kenny's favorite too it's a screamer
4: mm. it's
3: really high okay um the i talked earlier there in the show on the paintbrush unkillable bird uh yellow wood over walnut is another high screamer so uh, again them are them are combinations of wood that i've learned over over a thousand calls what woods do what Uh, first turkey call i ever made the very first one we were about to lose our home we were behind on our electric 90 days 60 days late on our water and that's what started me making turkey calls. The first turkey call I ever made, I didn't know what I was doing. It was pine. I've I, I even forgot what it was, uh, the two woods, but it didn't make a sound where I'm going with this. And my wife <laughs> says that was the best call I've ever made. <laughs> uh, yeah, I drive her nuts with, with these turkey calls, but yeah, a soundless turkey call. Imagine that. So anyway, that's the passion that drove me to figure out what works with what. but you cannot go wrong with red cedar, red cedar uh, for uh, the sound. And purple heartwood or bloodwood over red cedar is what I would say is the low pitch. Your everyday hen. Um, you get into the walnuts and black limba, you're you're getting a higher pitch. Mm-hmm. And there's also woods in between there. I mean, we can go on for an hour about it. It's it's. Uh, but black limba is is my new favorite. And uh, poplar poplar is hard to beat. Uh, red cedar i carry three box calls with me uh, one long box and two pocket rocket size boxes so but hmm. i make sure that they're all different pitches different pitches exactly yeah. that's the name of the game it's it's you're trying to create so much realism you're trying to fake this bird out to his death basically he yeah. beat you a pea-sized brain will beat you every single day and you've got to convince him you are the real deal.
2: And they don't want to die. Better well, one. exactly. So all you got to yeah. give them is one reason not to think that's real.
3: Right. I'm talking extreme realism is the name of the game for turkey hunting. And, and, you know, just one call and you go out there and yelp, 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 and he comes to you. Well, it does happen. You know, to, there's a difference between a turkey hunter and a turkey killer. Which one are you?
4: Neither. <laughs> Based on my resume, <laughs> you know, I hunt the shit out of them. But, uh, <laughs> you got to so ask yourself that question, right? right?
3: You know, and every realism tactic you can throw into the mix. Just, I carry a wing with me, and I'll do the fly down. <laughs> and, and then, uh, you know, start in with the tree yelps, scraping the leaves. Whenever, uh, they, if I think it he can hear me, I'll scrape the leaves. They'll even gobble. Yeah. You're scraping on the leaves noise, I've had yeah. on noise, you know. You add as much realism to the. You're trying to convince him this is the real thing here. Yeah, and uh, it's even harder when he has a lady with him. Yeah, yeah. You know, why? Why? Uh, if you if a, if you walked into a bar and you had two women under your arms, and you had one over in the corner winking at you, you are going to leave the two you already have to the one winking over in the corner? No. It's
2: going to be difficult. It's
3: going to be pretty tough. But what if you jack around in the bar a little bit and you go to the bathroom or something or over to the jukebox and you turn back around and them two women that you came in with are gone? Yeah. Now the one winking over in the corner looks pretty good.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that initial sound that she was making might not have been appealing to you. But yeah. now that the two hens or women are gone, now all of a sudden that sound might... Right.
3: Exactly. That's what I'm saying.
4: You know how how similar this sounds to elk hunting? Oh, so much. So much. And and that's what I've always been told, always heard, is elk hunting and turkey hunting go hand in hand. You know,
3: Right. Every time you go out, take take something you've learned from the woods back with you. Uh, you know. We have killed uh me and Uncle Kenny and my, my whole family. I would say, would you agree? More of your birds have died between nine and noon than six and nine. Nine and noon for sure. Nine and noon for sure. Yeah. Exactly. And between nine and noon is when the guy in the bar turns around and, and yeah. the two he came in with are gone. So the yep. one over there, well, this is looking That's pretty good. I better go with it. Yeah. yeah. So patience, 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 patience is the name of the game. Yeah.
2: So that, that makes a lot of sense. And then the other thing that goes into a call is you can't just take two pieces of red cedar. Drive a nail in one side and think you're going to you no. make a beautiful turkey call. That's the other stuff that you were talking about before we ever started recording.
3: Radius. Yeah. Is the, the paddle has the radius. The box has the radius. The thickness of the, the boxes, uh, if you're if – you're, well, I'll, I'll let this information out. The, my, the <laughs> trade thi- a trade it, secret. secret <laughs> trade secret. The thickness <laughs> of my box call. The soundboard is 5.30 seconds.
2: I'll be dinged. So, yeah, it doesn't take a big old chunk of wood yeah. to do stuff.
3: Right. Yeah. So, if I am a 30-second heavy, I'm going to sound more like a peacock.
4: It's not the sound you want. Yeah. Right.
3: It's a little high pitch. If I go too thin, it sounds like a barking dog. Yeah. And then it's like a haircut. Once you take it off, you can't put it back on there. So right. Yeah. Right into the stove it goes. There goes an hour and a half wasted and I'd burn it. Start all over. So the name of yeah, there is a lot more science to it than yeah. just a block of wood and, and some chalk and Well
2: and work. you can tell, you know, I've I've actually got those Walmart calls. Nothing against companies making mass produced right. calls, but they'll
3: kill turkeys, they will. Absolutely. You know,
2: I've got probably two of them still sitting in the packaging at home that I've never used. But when Jeff your brother Jeff, my one of my good friends, brought me that pocket rocket from Cecil's Memorial that we talked about at the beginning of mm-hmm. the show. You know, I went home and I sat there and which I'm not I'm not Scott Wilper, but I sat there and and then I get out that cheap, you know, ten dollar call or whatever I bought from Walmart yeah. ten years ago and, and hit it. And you can tell the difference. Immediately. Between and I my ear is not a trained ear. And you can tell a difference between quality and, you know, quantity, I guess you'd right. call it. And so one of the things I definitely wanted to ask you was there's a, there's a reason why, why your people keep coming back and asking you to make calls for them. And, you know, you were showing us the heirloom series you're doing for that, that guy yeah. uh, out there. And it's because when you have a passion for something, rather than trying to make money doing
4: something, right, it shows. Boy. Whose quality control is better, the guy that, that's sitting there making them for a purpose or making them you know, or for making them for a passion or making them for a profit. Right. I mean that's the you know Yeah. And it doesn't hurt to make a little money on it oh, either. no, but no. <laughs> <laughs> you
3: pick up an extra blind right yeah. or yeah. or pay for your turkey mount. But exactly. Yeah. No, yeah, no there doubt. is a difference. And in quality will go right out the window when they start getting mass produced.
2: Yeah. I could definitely see that. I mean if they wanted me to do a podcast a day for three hundred sixty five days my quality would go from very poor to really poor because <laughs> 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 I don't even know if we're good yet. We but lose our two listeners. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Scott and uncle Kenny said that they would, did, they did. We just got two more. <laughs> right. We're up to, we're four. Up to four. Yeah. four. So for the people not listening, Scott's uncle um, came in about halfway through this and now he's sitting there listening to everybody. Um, so he's uh, having fun listening to us talk.
3: Well, two and two is four in Lafayette County. So we're yeah, <laughs> we're, we have doubled listeners. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> so um,
4: fifty percent increase in one day—that's pretty good. I mean, it's all how you do the numbers. Can only go up from here.
2: So yeah. that's pretty cool to hear. I mean, and one of the other things that I think sets you apart from a lot of people—I mean, there's a lot of good call makers out there. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of good guys. From what I found, just kind of in our area that are Mm -hmm. good call makers but and they might do this stuff too but i don't know them so one thing that's really cool with you is you do your own call making you obviously are a turkey hunter based on the wall behind me and all over the place uh you also then go and put yourself up against some of the best callers that are out there Oh, Um, competition yeah i was on your facebook page uh the wilper custom calls facebook page which will we'll get people all those links at some point but and you had just went to the uh, was it the 2020 mid-iowa classic
3: mid-iowa classic yes uh
2: you did that you've been to some the national wild uh turkey foundation or federation uh Mid- calling yeah. championships mm-hmm. you the seem to be i mean yeah. you people have heard him already I on the show big, a couple yeah. times what uh how'd you get so good at doing that I mean, you're making these sounds with your mouth. Yeah. <laughs>
3: well, again, Uncle Kenny sitting here behind me, it, it started the passion when I was 14. I was, <laughs> I was 14, and uh, uh, he called in a couple gobblers. A big one was coming. I shot the Jake. And, I, and if I wouldn't have shot the Jake, I probably wouldn't have got it because he'd have killed the big one. I, I know him. <laughs> 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 but, no, Uncle Kenny started it, and so did my dad. He brought home, again, times were different years ago, but he brought home three wild turkeys from somewhere. I was young, don't know where he got them, doesn't matter. (laughs) But I raised these things. They were little. I mean, they slept with me. I let them into bed with me. I raised these things. One was a gobbler and there were two hens. Hmm. Well, uh, the gobbler made it about a year, and then he died of a disease or whatever. But uh, the hens lived to be... Five six years old, and they would just follow me around on the farm everywhere really? I'd go. They would go, and they'd come in the. They'd try to come in the house. Obviously, when they got bigger, we didn't let them in the house no more. But they'd try to come in the house. Yeah. No. right. It was like I was their mother, so to speak. But that's how it all started. Was me mimicking, the when I raised them, when I would mimic them by voice. And then the hoot owl, the hoot owl came in afterwards too. That was from Uncle Kenny's learning how to hoot owl call and just trying to. Uh, practice and take it to the next level and compete in national contests. Yeah, but, uh,
4: that's awesome. Yeah. I, I like competitions. That's what I'm, I mean. Doing it, that, it makes you better at yeah. things. Right.
3: It all started from listening to my uncle Al Hoot, and then uh, the the voice turkey calling part came from my dad raising raising these little ones up to to adult and repeating them.
4: So yeah. Just being around them. Yeah, just. better than I can and do with By a the call. way, people, he did not just hit play on a radio. Right. That was yeah. Scott's mouth. <laughs> There's no call in his mouth. There's no that's just him making noise with his yeah. mouth.
3: But that that's kind of how it all started and then I just I loved it so much. You, you know, the more you the more you put into something, the more you get out of
2: it. Well, and Absolutely. It's that's with once in again life. this mimics elk elk hunting so yeah. much because I'll sit there with my elk bugle. We go out west every year and try to chase them in the mountains. Don't ever succeed very often but <laughs> we try and i'll sit there outside of our house and bugle and just bugle and bugle and then go back and listen to or watch a youtube video of Corey jacobson who's the best elk caller That's, ever yeah at one of his competitions and i'll listen to him and i'll stop and i'll go back outside and, and try to sound that way yeah. never works but you know <laughs> yeah. you're not going to get better not doing it
3: right you got to practice yeah so, so i
2: could i could see where this becomes a almost like an addiction
1: mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Where
2: now I got to be better than you at it. If I'm if I'm going to do it now, I'm going to be better be than other people. Yeah. And I just saw <clears throat> that you went to that Mid Iowa Classic, and then there's different divisions. There's you know I saw a hunter division. Yeah. Um, what's what's some of the different divisions and some of them calling?
3: They have the the senior division is mostly uh, they call it like a senior open division, uh, and that, that's you don't have to live in iowa it's it's open to anybody that wants to get in but it's also mainly the mouth call is is what that division is then you have a friction division mm-hmm. and that's with your pot calls and box calls and then the hunter division is again anything goes uh hunter division is labeled as you've never taken first place at nationals okay or uh, Wait a minute. You've never qualified for nationals. Let me get that right. Which is, for the friction, then you can get is the hunter division. So, mm-hmm. uh, then you have the owl hooting division. There's youth youth divisions. But uh, I've always gotten in the owl hooting division uh, contest in Nashville and, and been doing that. I think I've gotten national contests eight times now.
4: And so, that's the NWTF uh national convention contest, right? Right. Okay. Right. They call now, how that many how many guys are be, typically entering in those?
3: There's the world championship, uh you know, there's the nationals, there's the US Open type uh you know, and then you have the state contest. So there's a lot a lot of different contests.
2: Does Missouri do something as far uh, as you know?
3: Yeah, I missed and that's how I ended up in Iowa. Um uh, I kind of invented my own I've been getting in the owl Hooting Contest at Nationals, the National Contest, uh-huh. and I do it by voice. So. Right. But I keep taking 12th and 15th and 16th place. And Out
4: of how many, by just by curiosity?
3: There was 26 okay. at the Nationals this year. So, uh, you know, I'm landing right in the middle, but everyone uses calls. I wish they would have their own division. Told you. <laughs> their own mouth, you know, voice yeah. calling division, but they yeah. don't. Yeah. They just don't. A natural, a natural voice. I don't. told
2: Andy, uh, we had to take a break a little while ago. Scott's smoking some meat, and we had to take a break so he could go change it. And while Scott was out there, I told Andy, you need to go watch Scott's video of, at the Nationals. He's the only guy there that's not using something. Right. He's using his hands and his mouth. That's right. it. And I, I said there's – I wonder, you know, if there's some differences between those those sounds those people are making because – Everybody else was using a cone or one guy Coles, had a, yeah, a cup all, or you know something, but so yeah, tell us more about you know that breakdown but, there.
3: Well, they there's three major. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of alcohol makers, but there's three major brands that most everyone uses, mm-hmm. and uh, it does sound very, very, very realistic. But you know, prior to 1990, there were there weren't hoot hoot tubes. Everyone done it by voice. If you wanted right. to do it, so um, you know when the hoot tube come out onto the market, it's it's tough to compete with that by voice. Right. You got to learn how to do. It's not just
1: mm-hmm.
3: with a hoot tube. You can do that roll in there. So you got to learn to.
1: <coughs> <laughs>
3: so if you can't do that, you're not even gonna. Yeah. place and you know I, and i just that's another thing passion and i finally learned how to do that and i keep landing in the center around 12 and 15th and 16th and anyway i, I just i'm the kind of guy i i hate getting beat sure how what are they using and why are their calls look different mm-hmm. than what i'm buying so i made my own and um, my own owl hooting tube and screamer that i know that scares you when you're in the woods when you Mm -hmm. hear that right by that scream (coughs) yep well there's there's a call that makes that you can't buy one they're not out on the market you got to figure out how to do it yeah yeah and i spent a hundred dollars at bass pro buying distress calls of rabbits and crows and all this stuff and, and i found out how they're how and if putting
4: if them together put it
3: together right and <laughs> changing reads and yep. and just tweaking things but anyway so i went up to the mid iowa classic with two calls that uh i made and got in the owl hooting contest up there and um, took third place so oh, wow um Yes, I'm. I'm ready to go to nationals now, and I'm not going to do it by voice. I'm taking a call with me. There you go. So test it out. Of <laughs> course, just test it out. I'm love partial. Of, love
2: of the playing field. Right. Yeah, of course I'm partial. I uh, I watched the whole the whole hour or so. My wife's like, "Have you been watching Owl Hooting, Owl Calling?" Well, there was. They were doing other calling at first too. Have you been watching this whole video? Yep, I have been. <laughs> I mean, I said, "What else am I going to watch? You know, some garbage on TV." But yeah. uh, so. I watched that whole thing, and like I said, of course, I'm I'm partial, but I thought Scott sounded better than the guys that were using the different tubes and, and stuff. Yeah. Um,
3: I think the judges, too. I mean, you got – who knows? I just think the judges, if, for 15 years of running tubes, I think they're – you get set on that sound. They're looking yeah.
4: for something specific. Yeah.
3: Right, right, right.
2: Yeah, they all sounded good, though. I mean, right. it's not like nobody's. As far as I could tell, I'm not an expert, but that's what I thought was really cool is some of those. And like I said, you you got sec- third in the owl hooting, um, you got second in
3: something else. Friction. I took second in friction with uh, uh, my box calls, mm-hmm. and then took first in the hunters division. So that's amazing. Yeah. The, um, the box call. I ran two box calls, and there was a long box and a pocket rocket, and I made them the night before. <laughs> so. Nice. I made them the night before when I took them up there, they didn't even have, Amy was even saying, you, you don't have them all painted up. And, you know, I didn't have my lacquer finish on there, no feathers on there. There was just straight raw wood. Yeah. But the sound, I didn't, you know, Friday night, late at night, when I finally hit the sound I was looking for, I didn't want to do. Don't touch it. Don't touch <laughs> it. Right, that's it. <laughs> Don't touch it. I, I'm not spraying – I'm not here for looks. Right. <laughs> and I had the sound right where I wanted it, so I didn't even – yeah, they were just bare-bone calls when I went up there. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh made them the night before. So, again, that's passion. Yeah. You got to be half nuts to go out in the shop, spend five hours, and try to make something. You're leaving the next morning, you know, that's all out of passion. So, yeah, that's – Well, and-
2: I love it. I don't know if you were or not, but like I was saying earlier, these these calls you make are, are really are a work of art, um, and these you paint these gorgeous feathers on these things. I'll probably actually put a picture of Cecil's um, call you made for us. Yeah, yeah, you I know, on that. there to show what I'm talking about for people, and you know, you got these beautiful feathers painted on there, and then you number them, and there's different things on there. If you're like me, I can't draw a stick figure. <laughs> so did you have to learn how to? Yeah. Paint too? Just I mean, right. You—that's—that's that's when you know you're passionate about yeah. something. When you got to learn how to do something, you, you don't. You should have really seen like my doing. first feather. <laughs> <laughs> Looked like a finger. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> it's pretty rough looking. Let me
3: tell you. But every time, I can draw. It's with an oil paint pen, mm-hmm. and I can draw a feather in about two minutes. That's pretty cool. It took me so 10 years if I it tried. Take me but long. the first feather, yeah, took 15 minutes, and it was ugly. It didn't even look like a yeah. feather. You're thinking, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's
2: the other thing I think that sets them apart. You know, I'm not sitting here trying to say that um, you shouldn't ever buy another call or something, but look at something you buy from Walmart. It, it's not going to have that, that look. The, yeah, um, the that, look and quality yeah, that is that look a look and whole quality. other deal. And when you really sit back and think about it, they're not that much more expensive than a, a Walmart call. Right. Uh, I don't know, but 50 60 bucks 60 somewhere in there is, you know, in the, in the area of what your calls cost. There are certain things that you get what you pay for. Right. And my dad grew up saying that to me all the time. You
3: get what you pay for.
4: Well, yep. you, then you open their package, the screws aren't tight, the springs loose. Yeah. yeah. That
3: CNC router can't see hairline cracks. Yeah. Yeah. And that would. Yeah. I've taken back many a calls, and you know, before I made turkey calls, I used uh, Primos box calls, Nightingale box calls, and and uh, killed a lot of birds with them. Yeah. And uh, uh, one of our favorite calls, uh, the Heart uh, Heartbreaker, me and Uncle Kenny's favorite calls was a Heartbreaker, and um, but I have taken several <laughs> back, and how annoying is that when you pay sixty dollars for a call? that you buy from bash pro or something that a cnc router makes this call and they they can't see that hairline crack or the hidden knot on the inside all that will change that sound uh you know or maybe that part of the wood is soft mm-hmm. for some reason but uh when you're sitting there making it by hand i sure know it in a heartbeat mm-hmm. i can tell right off the bat and i don't even mess around it goes right into the fire and i start another one yeah but uh, a cnc router Can't pick up on that, so that call goes into the package, goes to the shelf. People buy it, and then they get home and they're mad because it don't sound right. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, and you got to take it back. But that—that's another quality you're going to get with a handmade call. Yeah, that's that's pretty. You know, your heart and soul goes into that call, and I'm not going to sell it to anybody if I don't think it's outstanding.
2: Yeah. Well, like we talked about earlier, you don't ever want to be unless. That changes, but you don't necessarily want
4: to be making ten thousand calls a year. There's no way I could, right? right. And not get, unless
3: CNC router came into the picture. You have right. to
4: start compromising some of the things you talking exactly. you're talking
3: about. Exactly, you're going to compromise quality. Yep. Uh, if you mass produce
2: so them, so a lot of what you do is by people saying you need to buy a call from Scott Wilper, and those people stop saying that when you start putting out garbage. Right. So right. you have to, you know. Do that. I remember growing up. My dad um, taught me how to do drywall, and that's what my dad's done his whole life. And um, he actually just did some stuff at your dad's house, Scott. But uh, it's nobody's going to call you if the last guy you worked for you didn't do a good job, and they they call and say, "What do you think of this guy?" And he did a horrible job. So you know when you're not Walmart or whoever, you got to always put out good stuff, and that quality sells itself. Sure, yeah. yeah. You don't have to even advertise, although yeah. we're gonna do it for you. But <laughs> you don't have to. You know. <laughs> right. So right. well, like I said, we uh we wanted to do a turkey show. We know we started, you know, just how stuff works. We our show started on Memorial Day, so it was after Missouri turkey season was over. But we thought, man, we can't really you yeah. know we can't wait a whole year to talk about turkey, can we? No. So, we talk
3: turkey year round. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um
2: <laughs> so we thought, you know what? We're just going to do it and w- we wanted to have a show about turkey before. So Absolutely. Um what else we got here?
4: Well, I mean, one one thing, I mean, talking about year-round different things right behind me uh is is a bobcat and that makes me think, you know, we talked a little bit before. Um we're getting close to hatch, right? I mean, help, I'm not expert by any means, but, yeah. but go through the process that's happening now. I mean, then we have the hatches, predators, mm-hmm. hatch is happening. Mm-hmm. So they've been on nests for a while. Um, Twenty eight days. Twenty eight days. So
3: yeah, some are hatching now. Uh, we've had that monster rain. Yep. Three inch rain and the creeks got out, which yep. is not good. Not good. So how many hens had a nest in the low area? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there it goes fifteen eggs. Now,
2: will they re? Reha- will they try
3: to? If it's early Re- enough, yep. uh, right mm-hmm. now, probably not. If A little it little bit too late. Two weeks ago, yeah, they'll rebreed. They'll mm-hmm. try. Uh, some some will. Kay. So, uh, yeah, hatch is going on now. I would say, what are we at, June 5th? Yeah, yep. June 6th. June 6th. I would say right now, oh, 70% of the nests that's make it made it, let's say, have hatched. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There's just a, f- a few of the late breeders, um, that are probably sitting right now. Okay. And l-
4: let's talk about the, the predator to that egg, that nest. I mean, you, you mentioned before, um, kind of go through the, number one predator and what 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 are the risks I guess out there for that nest in the early stages and then after hatch, what are the risks now?
3: The the risk right now for, again, this is just I'm no. Scientist by sure. no means, but this is just a, in a hunter perspective. That uh, my knowledge of chasing these things for 25 years. So, but the number one uh, right now, or two, let's say two weeks ago, you know, a hen has to sit on a, on a nest for 28 days for the hatch, and let's say they lay anywhere from 10 to 15 eggs as average. So she'll lay an egg a day, right? One egg a day, but she will not sit on the nest until the last egg is laid.
2: And then she'll sit on that nest for like 23 hours a day, correct?
3: Correct. Right.
1: So
2: she'll get up to go. She'll roost.
3: She'll roost near the nest. You know, every day lay one egg, (coughs) kind of cover it up, go do her thing. The next day when she lays her last egg is when she'll finally start sitting on the nest 23 hours a day, basically. She takes... Takes one hour a day off to go eat, and here's the cool thing: tell me, tell me, there ain't a plan out there in this world, um, somebody overseeing this all. She will fly from the nest to and from the nest when she goes eats for that one hour and to defecate, fly to and from the nest. Why? Why do you think that is? So nothing follows her scent, uh, scent trail. Yep. Is that not cool huh, or what? You'd think amazing. she would walk up to her nest and sit down. No, nope. A pea-sized brain, smart enough to do that. A pea-sized brain. Right. Is this not cool? Flies from the nest 50, 75 yards out, so she don't leave a scent trail. Does her thing, each drinks, and then will fly back and sit for another 23 hours. But, hmm. uh, yes, yeah, so when the last eggs lay, 28 days later, okay, they hatch. But during that 28 days and then the first 10 to 12 days before how many ever eggs she lays, them eggs are exposed on ground level mm-hmm. for quite a period of time, if you right. think about it. And the biggest nest busters of all are raccoons. Yeah. Every dead raccoon is one happy hen. <laughs> <laughs> so all the coon hunters out there, you know, coon coon predator hunting has went down. You know, mm-hmm. prices of hides have dropped, stuff like this. So pre- pred- predator hunting has went down. You, there's still people that do it, but... Uh, I have seen more raccoons in the last 10 years than I, I think, I, I, you know, 20 years ago. I don't think i hardly ever seen a raccoon. They're just everywhere right now. Yeah, right. They are. And they're stealing eggs. I've got a field right up the road from me right here that uh, you guys drove by when you came in.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And it's probably a 30-acre field, and the grass is waist-tall. And I know there's a hen out there. Yeah. I've seen her in the gravel road pecking rocks. Yeah they got to get rocks in their crawl. That's how they break their food up. Yeah. When you see them eating alongside the gravel road and they get their rocks in there. Well, she come out of that field, and I seen her go back into that field. She's got a nest in there somewhere. Some, yeah. Well, this was just two days ago. I turned the corner coming home from work, and a raccoon comes out. What is a raccoon doing at 4 o'clock in the afternoon coming out of a field? Mm-hmm. Comes out in the road, looks at me, and then goes right back into the field. Stupid where he wasn't supposed to be. Well, right, he's out there looking for eggs. Raccoons are the biggest. Skunks would be number two. And possums and snakes are, are are big up there too, probably three number three and four in there. <laughs> yeah. So them are your biggest egg busters is uh is your raccoons. So the fewer raccoons, the more turkeys are gonna make it. At least hatch. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Now now you've got a dozen birds that are the size of a baseball that every hoot owl and hawk. Yep. And bobcat and coyote and foxes after. Yeah. Turkey's got a rough life. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Well, and I think,
2: you know, I I read something there's about 300 so thousand or so turkey in Missouri. Yeah. Something like that. Of course, at one point in time we were we had nothing. Um, right. you know, then we got the flock back to where it became it strong 60s. enough that other states were using our birds to reestablish their populations. Yeah, transfer. But mm-hmm. it seems like our our turkey populate it just seems like turkey are so fragile because uh, i might have been wrong by reading this but something like over half of all the eggs that are laid are never going to even hatch they don't even make it.
3: half of them don't make it and that's then right. when
2: they hatch them half them half don't yeah make those it. half are gonna then so you're only exactly. talking about a small percentage of uh-huh. eggs that laid ever make it yeah. to an adult turkey or even a juvenile you know jake or something mm-hmm. so yeah it makes it
3: and that's why a yeah, hen lays 10 to 15 eggs, you know, because yeah. that half and that half of that half that don't make two to, it. Two to three, you're only
2: yeah. going to make it out of that. Kind All of right. law of numbers type of deal.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. The drier the spring, and I want to specify the month of May, the drier the May is, and the less raccoons you have in your area, and the drier May you get, the more turkeys you're going to have. You know, and you get two or three years of a couple dry springs, and you know, do your predator hunting in the in the in the winter, and get some of them raccoons yep. taken out. Uh, and if you can get lucky and get a couple dry springs in a row, your population will just double. Yeah, hmm. like that that quick.
2: You know, it makes me feel bad when we were doing we we predator hunt and we were out doing our a coyote tournament. Uh, we were in I don't remember which one, mm-hmm. and I was on one of my properties, and we had our our call only probably twenty yards from where I was sitting. And as soon as that call started, I had this gigantic raccoon come and stand within five feet of that call. And oh, it, check I did, it! And I didn't shoot him because it wasn't a coyote. Yep, I should have smoked him. Now, <laughs> that, now that now that you've been talking about this, because I bet you will uh, next time. Now <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen a coon that big. I'm not kidding you. He was gigantic, and he stood. And that call had stopped when he came up to it, and he stood right on his hind legs. And that call started again. I've never seen that coon move so fast. take off. He was gone because he didn't know. Well, he knew something was going on, but um, I kind of feel bad now. I didn't let him have it after talking about this.
3: <laughs> right? So. Yeah, the nest is pretty fragile, and then, like you say, when they're born too, it's about roughly two weeks from when they're born they can fly a little bit. Okay, they can actually get off the ground.
4: That's a like lot quicker than I figured.
3: Yeah, they. Uh, it's a, it's a. That's the. That two weeks, if they can get by that two weeks, their survival rating goes up fifty percent. oh well, wow. hmm. if that two weeks once they're born, where they can get on a limb, if they can just get three or four feet off the ground, right then then they're away from most of the predators at that point. Yep. now they can't you know the hoot owls at night and you got the hawks, but uh, right. hunt them too, but you know, getting off the ground is a big deal and it, so that two weeks, which is happening these next two weeks Mm -hmm. uh, from the ones that are being born right now is pretty crucial. And again, the drier, the better. Yeah. You know, you think of a wet dog, a dry dog, go come here and you're all in its face and petting it and everything. But a wet dog, you're like, man, you stink. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, a wet turkey's the same way. Their, their scent is double magnified, magnified when they're wet. And that's how predators can smell and pick up on them. Yeah. So your wet springs not only hurts your eggs being washed away, but now you got a wet turkey. Yes, scents. Yeah. The scent that the, that the bobcat, that the coyote's going to pick up on. Yeah, so and
2: this has been a wet year for yeah. at least us in our area. You know, it seems <clears throat> right. like we're getting rain every couple of days. Right. So
3: usually your, your, your little half-inch and one-inch thunderstorm rains that blow through pretty quick really don't hurt too bad. But, you know, we had that four-inch gully washer uh, yep. three, four days ago. Them are not good ones. Right. The right. ones that rain all day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of factors like that that come into play. But,
2: Well, like every episode we've ever done, I've learned oh, more well. than I knew yeah. before. <laughs> it, absolutely.
4: And that's what it's about. <laughs>
2: yeah. And that's – yeah. Uh, but um, before we hop off, uh, do you – I uh, want to give people any information as far as how they can get a hold of you for a call. Uh, you got a Facebook page. We know that.
3: Yeah, my phone number is on the Facebook. We just Google Wilper, Custom Calls, or Scott Wilper, and then you'll see uh, today's day and age. You can find just about anybody. Sure. Yep. You know, yeah. uh, you know so, but we'll I do have i I'm pretty old school. I'll let everybody know it now. Uh, I have a Facebook, FaceTime, FaceBack, whatever you want to call that. <laughs> Yep, I've got it, but my wife and kids take care of it for me. I've got four daughters, and they are well educated in this area. So more than uh, any of us are exactly. Absolutely. So, but if you look my name up, I do have a Face a FaceTime page there, so you can find my phone number there. Give me a call, and we will make. I'll make any call uh, that you're looking for sound wise. Yeah, um, we are at the end of the year right now, so I do not have any pre ready. Yeah, so it'll be a couple weeks.
4: Uh, and what do you, what do you, what hurry you in it right now anyway? Right. Like you got any you ta- got till fall. Yeah, fall. Well, what better to time to get a custom call?
2: You yeah, know? right. Well, and like what we were saying, we'll we'll put a link to the the Facebook page on our the mm-hmm. little. Uh, there's some show, show notes that come out when we when our right. show comes out. We'll put a link in there, and then uh, I'll probably, like I said, post a picture of the one I have from you just because yeah, loaded on this they show. need to see how see gorgeous looks, yeah. they are um they really are gorgeous calls um even if you just had some if someone had you do a basic one your basic calls still have that beautiful you know feather on there and right and, mm-hmm. and they all have a number and um so they're
3: they're beautiful what you do is you go to walmart and for about five dollars you get a six pack of black socks and you put your calls in that black sock. So when you take the beautiful call out to the woods, you got a black sock protector. Pretty cheap. Go. That slides makes makes right <laughs> in <Yeah>. and out. <laughs> yep. That's
2: that's <laughs> what I was telling Jeff when he gave me uh, that one. As I'm like, I, I don't think I'm gonna use that thing. <laughs> that's too pretty. Yep. <laughs> and it has a lot of meaning to me. So it'll it'll end up getting displayed on a on a shelf with a with something but yeah
3: you don't um, have to put it on a sock if you're gonna keep it on. yeah sock. no <laughs> i may mean, have to dust it is what i'll have yeah. to do on that maybe
4: when nate kills a turkey you can put it beside uh, i don't know <laughs> well, you might be waiting for a while
1: <laughs> <laughs> so.
4: i say yeah before we get off here give us one more good uh, i think it's amazing you does oh mouth. man G- give us give us everybody a listening this is all by mouth
2: that scott is doing this
3: we'll with. do a full cadence here this yeah. is something i would do at nationals
4: All by that's, now. That's amazing. <laughs> that's a good spot to end, I think. I think so. It's been a great podcast. Well, Scott, thanks for coming on.
2: Um, we really appreciate it. I mean, this is this oh, is I what we it. enjoy doing. Appreciate Absolutely, appreciate it. Thank you. So, all right. Well, until next time, we'll talk to you all later. See you on the next one. All right. That's the show today. Had an awesome time talking with Andy and Scott today. Scott is a real good guy, uh, salt of the earth type of guy who has a real passion for turkey and turkey call making and he really puts 100% effort into every call you know he produces for people so I think that's that's really awesome. Um, Scott didn't mention it so I'm going to throw it in real quick. Uh, he can be reached on his Facebook page Wilper Custom Calls. His last name is spelt W-I-L-P-E-R so if you just search Wilper Custom Calls in Facebook you'll be able to find it we'll drop a link also, uh, on the show notes. So hope y'all enjoyed that show. Um, we had a lot of fun, like I said, and we will talk to you all next week.